the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning. <laughs> Excuse me. Good morning and welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here, <clears throat> we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans. Plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Flow gives you solid financial strategies. Strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well... Good morning. How do you like the autumn weather so far this year? There seems to be a little bit of everything for everybody. Sunny days, cloudy days, rainy days, 80 degree high, then 50 degree uh, high the next day. It's a little baffling, but hey, it is a change of season and things are changing very quickly now. I'm starting to see real changes in some of the trees. Some of the trees are bare already with their leaves. Uh, they're on the ground. The other ones are turning golden. And some are just looking less green uh, than they did a month ago. So, And we're also seeing the pumpkins and the mums everywhere. They're on the steps of the houses and the porches. And it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Now is a great opportunity to get outside, whether it's to take care of our chores or just enjoy Mother Nature. And this Sunday, uh, October 8th, is also the 51st Woolly Bear Festival. 
the festival in Vermilion is from 9 to uh, 5 p.m. That's tomorrow. And we don't know that the woolly bears are a reliable predictor of how severe our winter will be. But it's a good excuse for a festival anyhow. So let's hope we have good weather. And Halloween decorations are popping up here and there, although Halloween is still three weeks away. It'll be here in no time. So this weekend might be a good time to either try to find our old decorations or look at some new ideas. Either way, it's all good. And maybe if we still have time this weekend, we could check on how political and global events are affecting our plans and our investments. This was a tough week for stocks and bonds. At the last Federal Reserve Federal Open Market Committee meeting in mid-September, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell uh, he passed and didn't uh, uh, didn't increase the federal funds rate. He left it at uh, the top rate where it was before, at five point five percent. And uh, at that time, the economy seemed to be working with the Federal Reserve. The economy was slowing, but still strong. Uh, consumers had jobs and were spending, but not recklessly. They still had money that they were saving, and it seemed to be a kind of a Goldilocks situation. Inflation was coming down and was expected to continue to slow under the effects of the previous actions of the Federal Reserve, but uh, Chairman Powell did note some concern that inflation could uh, change course and accelerate again. Uh, He did talk about Fed funds rate being kept high for longer uh, until the Federal Reserve was confident that inflation had stabilized at the uh, at approximately two percent level. The concern seemed to be uh, that the economy and inflation would strengthen and hence require the Federal Reserve to raise the rates higher and to keep them higher longer. So. Uh, They even uh, showed in their economic projections for their dot plots that rates uh, uh, would be kept higher for high, not higher, but high for longer. This week, economic data showed an economy that was uh, growing stronger, not weaker. In other words, the Federal Reserve's whole idea to conquer inflation was to slow the economy down, uh, that means slow the service sector, slow the manufacturing sector, slow the demand down uh, to a better equilibrium with the supply and hence reduce the uh, need for inflation, need for price increases. So it's worked so far. We've gone from 9%, 9 9.1% uh, inflation over a 12-month period, that that was in June a year ago, uh, to uh, the present value, which is uh, somewhere around 3, 3.5% over a 12-month period. Even better yet is that the short-term, the one-month inflation numbers are even better. So, uh, so what we're looking for uh, was an economy that 
Yeah, it was the Goldilocks. It was getting weaker, but not too weak. On Tuesday, job openings and and uh, labor turnover survey, the JOLTS report from the Department of Labor showed that employers are expanding their hiring plans and they're not too worried about a recession in the future. They've uh, they bought into the uh, uh, soft landing uh, idea, uh, which is a goal, but is it, is it verified yet? Uh, so the data in job openings and labor turnover shows conditions in the labor market remain strong in August. The number of job openings rose uh, close to 700,000 to 9.61 million in August. These are the number of jobs that are posted at the end of August. And that was uh, uh, the previous month. Uh, had an upward revision to 8.92 million for July. Now, the consensus in the survey of forecasters were saying, well, uh, this report would show 8.7 million job openings for August, but the report came in uh, with 860,000 more job openings than predicted. In other words, uh, 10% basically higher than all of the experts predicted. And job openings in the private sector increased 600,000 in August, mostly due to 509,000 in professional and business services. That includes an increase of 40,000 in healthcare and social assistance and, and 75,000 in other uh, services. There was also uh, government jobs rose 90,000. That's mostly uh, accounting for the uh, 76,000 increase in state and local education. That's a one-time uh, deal at the at the start of the semesters, the start of the school year. And uh, it was definitely a show of strength for the economy. And uh, that was kind of a wake-up call in the sense that uh, there is a lot of strength, perhaps more strength than we thought in this economy. And then on Friday, the Department of Labor published their job situation report for September. It also showed a stronger-than-expected labor market. The report showed that uh, U.S. employment uh, unexpectedly surged in September, illustrating a, a durable uh, labor market and bolstering the case for another Federal Reserve interest rate hike. So, as I mentioned before, uh, the Federal Reserve uh, felt that uh, things were going just fine before, but they were concerned about this economy getting strengthening and getting too strong and and, and uh, generating more inflation, turning the thing around. So uh, it showed, this report uh, showed that non-farm payrolls increased 336,000 uh, last month. That's for September. And that was the most uh, increase in one month since the start of the year. And uh, that was after... Uh, sizable upward revisions 
over the previous two months. So this was uh, September added 336,000 jobs. And in uh, uh, July and August, uh, they had added, I think it was about 115,000 jobs in addition to what was reported. So uh, there is a there is a big uh, demand for labor, and that report was in the jolts, and there is a big uh, uh, hiring, and that was in this uh, uh, job situation report that came out on Friday. Uh, the good news was that the unemployment rate held steady at 3.8%, and the uh, you know, wages rose at a modest pace. I think there was the, the uh, wages rose at the pace of about 4.2% over a 12-month period. In addition, treasuries fell, uh, extending a sell-off in government securities that has rapidly uh, pushed up yields over the past month. Uh, this threatens to... Uh, undercut the economy by driving up borrowing costs uh, and traders boosted bets on a uh, federal hike by year end, uh, maybe another quarter in the, either the November uh, 1st meeting or the December meeting. And uh, while the Standard and Poor 500 opened lower and the dollar strengthened now later Friday, the uh, uh, the bond indices rose and were positive for the day, except for the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average. The surprising vigor of the job market suggests companies remain confident in their sales prospects. You know, while the pace of hiring has cooled since last year, it's still pretty big. Its resilience remains a key source of strength for household spending and for the broader economy. For the Fed, however, uh, the labor market strength threatens to hinder uh, progress on curbing inflation. Uh, the government figures, along with the other data, like the recent pickup in job openings, adds add to the case for the central bank, the Federal Reserve, to raise the interest rates, already at a, a pretty high uh, 5.5%. They might, uh, this might cause them to increase it another quarter of a percent at the either, either maybe one of the next two meetings before the end of the year. And the global, uh, the global bond sell-off, and this is not just true of the United States, this is true of Europe. Also, in terms of their uh, bond sell-off, has been hammering risk assets from stock to corporate debt uh, on concerns that the central banks will keep interest rates elevated longer than expected. And the Federal Reserve was quick to respond to the jobs report. The uh, uh, Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond President, uh, Thomas Markin, said that the surge of U.S. Treasury yields reflect strong economic data as well as uh, uh, heavy supply, adding that it's a return to a more normal rate 
seen in prior years. You know, if you if you look back a little bit with the big uh, federal government deficit, uh, the Treasury needs to sell uh, a lot of bonds. In other words, you're basically uh, talking about federal budgets of $6.6 trillion and uh, reserves, uh, not reserves, revenues uh, for the federal government amount to about $4.7 trillion. So you're running deficits of close to $2 trillion a year. And uh, uh, after that agreement, I think it was in June, where they agreed to, there's a big stalemate, and they finally agreed to increase the debt ceiling. The government is selling approximately $1 trillion in bonds between uh, June and the end of the year. So there's a lot of, a lot of U.S. treasuries uh, hitting the market, and uh, uh, that's creating a lot of supply. And basically, what you're seeing is that, uh, uh, in addition to the uh, corporate bond selling, all this demand is driving up bond yields and also affecting uh, uh, stocks, not directly, but indirectly. Even what happens in the bond market generally creeps over into the stock market, too. So basically this week, uh, global equities were generally down for the week, most of the week. But in the U.S., the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones, the Standard and Poor 500, and the NASDAQ composite spent the week way down by the rising uh, intermediate and long-term bond yields. Uh, for instance, the 10-year U.S. Treasury note uh, yields rose from 4.2% to basically 4.8% in one month. So at the start of uh, uh, September, they were 4.2%. Now they're approximately banging around 4.8%. It's signaling an increase in borrowing costs and making bond investing basically more competitive with uh, the stocks. So only on Friday did the Standard & Poor and the NASDAQ uh, composite indices rally enough uh, to turn positive for the week. So uh, the, the uh, increase in the uh, borrowing costs are affecting, you know, that it's, it's a global event. In the, in the UK, the FTSE 100 was down for the week, and in the European Union, uh, Germany's DAX and the stock 600 Europe were both down for the week. While in Asia, uh, Japan's Nikkei 225 was down, and in China, the Shanghai Composite jumped for the week, uh, I think because of... Uh, uh, something to do with their housing uh, uh, crisis. Uh, while Hong Kong's Hang Seng uh, was down for the week. So on Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed the week at the Dow Jones closed at 33,470.50, and it was down 0.30. Uh, percent for the week. 
The Standard and Poor closed at 4,308.50, and it was up 0.48% for the week. And the NASDAQ uh, uh, composite uh, closed at 13,431.34, and it was up 1.6% uh, for the week. So uh, basically, the stock market was basically in the doldrums all, all most of the week, but we covered on uh, Friday on the strength of that uh, uh, the jobs report. And the jobs report really showed great strength in the economy. That's good for the economy. That's good for the consumer. Uh, it uh, may or may not be good for the uh, bond market they, because the yields are going up and the bond prices are going down. It may or may not be good for the stock market, which uh, might be looking forward to the Federal Reserve now increasing uh, the interest rates again. That they're, uh, they've got two more meetings uh, before the end of the year. So uh, just, just uh, the big picture uh, shows that the economy is getting stronger. Uh, uh, will inflation uh, get stronger with it? Uh, that's a big question that the Federal Reserve is wrestling with. Uh, in our case, uh, <clears throat> we've got bigger fish to fry in terms of uh, we look at the big picture for a part of our financial plan, but the rest of our financial plan is basically things that we control in terms of our goals, uh, what do we want to do? What's good for the family? Where are we in uh, uh, life, so to speak? Are we in school? Are we out of school? Are we uh, uh, getting married and starting a family? Or are we trying to get the kids through uh, education? Or, or are we finally at that uh, point where life begins, when the when the you know, kids are out of school, out of the house, and uh, and uh, we're ready to live. Then somebody says, "Well, do you have enough money for retirement?" So then we get serious again. So then we look at the financial picture that's necessary, and the money comes in. It's in a reasonably steady stream, and uh, basically. What we have to do is save some of it, uh, spend some of it, and make the right decisions in terms of uh, how much we save, which is always, you know, saving is a long-term uh, project. You have to save. You have to give up things uh, in order to save. And uh, uh, it's a lot easier to spend it than to save it. The reason you save it is... Uh, uh, to have it grow and to meet your future goals and and uh, needs and your and your plans for the future, and it takes work to put the plan together, stick with the plan, and uh, uh, make it work. Uh, let's take a few minutes and go to our phones. Hi there, this is Jim McAlee. How are we doing today? 
Hey, Jim, it's Jason. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Jason. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Good. Hey, I, I, I wanted to with? Yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, Representative Matt Gates uh, brought up an a interesting uh, point that I don't think anybody else in the media or Congress is talking about, and it's the, the de-dollarization that's happening uh, around the world where countries are looking to um, hold other currencies or a basket of currency uh, instead, of, uh, instead of so much dollars. The BRIC countries and, and um, you know, uh, other other countries talking about it as well. The, some of the Gulf states, mm-hmm. um, yep. With interest rates approaching six percent, my understanding is that's the break-even point where, based on our historical GDP, um, at least over the last you know twenty years or so, if we stay at six percent, um, we'll only have enough GDP to basically pay the interest on our national debt of $33 trillion. If we go over 6%, we'll start to be borrowing money and paying people back at an at a interest rate um, that is not sustainable for us to actually even make the interest payment on the debt without well, Social Security, uh, Medicare, well, um, or let, let, me, let, me, let me say something. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I think you... We can agree or disagree on the detail, but I think we all can agree upon uh, the government is basically spending too much money. Uh, in my mind, it boils down to uh, we are spending at the tune of uh, $6.6 trillion a year. That's the federal government's budget. Uh, and we're bringing in, the federal government is bringing in trillion in revenues. That's the federal income tax. That's the corporate income tax. That's the payroll tax for Social Security and Medicare. That's even down to the excise tax on your telephone bill, even down to the tariffs uh, that we charge other nations. So we're bringing in $4.7 trillion and spending $6.6 trillion. Now, that can't go on. We can't be spending close to $2 trillion a year and putting it, putting it on the cuff. Uh, that's got us to, you know, you could, you, you could maybe justify that during the COVID situation where the whole economy roared to a stop and we threw money at it uh, and got it going again. But that's one of those cases where, hey, once you got the engine going, you know, stop just pushing the starter here, uh, we got to get to the point where we're living within our means. That's all there is to it. I don't worry how, how about is that, so much. But Jim, how's that going to happen? Because the, the way I see it is more and more people in this country are becoming dependent on the government. Well, that's the that's the thing that's going to have to happen. It's not a matter of, of saying what is the interest rate, things of this nature. We're going to have to get to a point where people realize that if you're talking about the national debt, the national debt is somewhere in the order of right now, it's in the order of uh, $30 trillion. It might be 31 or 32. Uh, if I divide that by, you know, 320 million people, I get a number of uh, 100 and 
some thousand dollars to each one. If I say, okay, I've got households, how many households? You know, I'm not counting. If I, in that 320 million, I've got babies and old people and, and everything else. If I just say, how many earning households are there in the United States? That's about 150 million. So basically, I'm saying that if I take a look at the national debt, each each household owes about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay, <laughs> you know uh, that's a, that's a little steep uh, debt to have on your shoulders. So basically, the the plan has to be uh, to elect people to get that budget under control. And get it down, and then you, you, the usual process is keep inflation at about two, two and a half percent until we work off that uh, uh, that debt and not and not keep increasing it. So, uh, how we do that? Uh, good question. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to have to be like you and I and everybody else realizing that. Hey, there's no free lunch. The other guy is not going to pick up the tab as much as we want him to. Uh, you can't uh, uh, just tax everybody so that uh, some people can enjoy life. It's got to be a, a reasonable uh, approach to things of, of uh, cutting back on what we're spending and, and uh, maybe increasing taxes in, in a reasonable manner. So. That's all I can say. I don't know how to do it. You don't know how to do it. I don't think you know how to do it either. But it, it's a problem that uh, we're we're going to have to realize that there's a problem there and set our minds to solving it. So <laughs> I hope you have a good good weekend. Solve that. Uh, you too, Solve Jim. Have a good weekend. <laughs> all right. You take care. This take is care. Jim McAlee. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese.
Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. And basically, you know, what we talked about here is in the uh, the big picture. The big picture is indicate, indicating that uh, 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 things are uh, stronger, getting stronger in this economy. And, and that is going to probably cause a reaction at the Federal Reserve to slow the economy down again. So uh, let's go to the phones again. Hello, Ruth. Jim McAleese here. How are you? Slow the economy down again. Okay, it's off. Hi, Ruth. How are you? I'm saying, Um, how are you today? Okay, Jim, I'm cons- uh, I'm fine, but the uh, my country is sick. But uh, uh, <laughs> no. uh, it's I have a uh, question that no one is talking about: with artificial intelligence leaving, uh, uh, taking over so many jobs, uh, how can this country get taxes from computers? So I'm wondering if. Uh, there would be a change in our currency in the future. Or if you know if this is in the making uh, with uh, countries uh, that I'm maybe not aware of. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not afraid of artificial intelligence in regard, with regard to um, putting us out of work and, and, and uh, things of this nature. I think there, it's been hyped a lot in terms of, uh, oh, this is the greatest thing since um, canned beer and sliced bread. But uh, to me, it, it's uh, something like um, uh, like we dealt with automation years ago. Uh, to me, it's a matter of uh, uh, we'll get through it uh, somehow. In other words, there'll be uh, just, uh, you know, like cases that you can see in terms of uh, that everybody faces, like uh, uh, airplane scheduling, you know, things of this nature, things where you really do need uh, artificial intelligence in the sense that uh, I've got uh, airplanes that are uh, flying all over the globe I've got uh, crews that have to be in certain places, pilots, crews, uh, 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 attendant crews. I've got mechanics. I've got all these things. And how do I keep everything working? Uh, And then how do I uh, have instances where I upset the system, uh, either by weather or by... uh, uh, you know, by uh, um, uh, concerns about safety, I'll upset the system. How do I get the system uh, back together again quickly? And that. But that, where that, do that, the tax dollars come from? Uh, this from robots and from automation. Oh, where is yeah, where, you can't get tax dollars from all this. Oh, you get tax dollars from the same place we we get it right now. In other words, you pay your taxes, 
Just like the people but that when are it, be Jim, when it eliminates jobs and there's no humans and it's all computers, the computers don't pay taxes. The, the, the artificial intelligence will not eliminate uh, the worker. The worker will still be here. His job will change. Uh, but, you know, he might not be doing uh, so much physical work. Uh, that'll be taken over, has been taken over uh, by the robots to some extent. Uh, to me, you'll tax the worker and you'll tax the companies. That's the way it's always been. And your job might change so that you have to be flexible in, in uh, your work area, what you're going to do, particularly uh, us that are, uh, have years of experience in a certain job, have to look forward and say, uh, what's happening to this job? What should I do in terms of uh, uh, seeking another job that's in a better position or going back to school uh, and be it a uh, college or be it a uh, uh, uh a, a, uh, a working school to to get to a point where I've got uh, different skills that I can stay employed. It may cause people to use to go to different jobs, learn different things, uh, but I don't see artificial intelligence uh, uh, sending or uh, uh, causing people to be without work. Your work might change uh, to fit in with this artificial intelligence. And if you're standing there saying, well, I can't do anything other than what I'm doing right now, then you're going to be hurt. But you've got to be flexible in terms of what you're, what you're capable of doing. And you've got to keep your eyes open and your ears open as to what the future of your particular job is. You know, there's nothing new here, Ruth. We've done this for years. Every time you turn around, uh, companies are expanding, they're contracting, uh, there are uh, reductions in forces, uh, we get a new direction, we get new jobs, and we respond to it. So people, companies need people. They can't control, they can't just sit there and run uh, computers. They are, and you're right about the computers don't pay taxes. You've got to have the workers and you've got to have the companies. That's your two corporate income taxes and personal income taxes is where your money comes from. And that's not going to change. I wouldn't worry about uh, the, the robot paying taxes. I'd more I'd be more worried about keeping your eyes and ears open with regard to the future of your particular job and taking the steps necessary to make sure that uh, you're preparing yourself in terms of uh, learning or switching jobs to make sure that you're gainfully employed in the future. And people are capable of doing that. People have done that for years. So 
Well, okay. I'm a retired senior, and um, uh, and I have found uh, in the trying to navigate the healthcare system has been extremely difficult because they have eliminated many humans, and the humans that I'm dealing with are taking the place of other jobs, more jobs that are that uh, where other where other employees were let go. So now they're mm-hmm. they're working the same salary, but they tell me they're working two jobs. And I have found this not only in the health industry, but in uh, other industries. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're aware of how the corporate system is cutting back. Oh, I I, I know how the corporate system is cutting back. The corporate system has always been. Uh, uh, trying to get a bigger share of the uh, dollars in terms of hey, so much money flows through the hands of the workers and so much money flows through the hands of the corporations. And basically, the corporation is always trying to get more than its fair share. But the worker has to be able to... Uh, keep their eyes and ears open and uh, be ready to move if necessary, either by um, getting uh, different licenses or different uh, education aspects. You have to be flexible. Uh, I realize you mentioned the health health, uh, uh, industry. I agree that... that, uh, uh, if you talk to people, try to call people on the phone, uh, it's almost impossible to to get a human being anymore. And maybe I'm looking at this artificial intelligence. Uh, the concept of the artificial intelligence right now is that just like uh, uh, you can talk on your smartphone to some Siri or some uh, assistant, and they'll talk to you, but they're limited in what they can find for you. The artificial intelligence will allow you to uh, talk to this person, this artificial, talk to this uh, computer, and it will basically uh, be, be able to provide you with much more information than, let's say, Siri could in the case of the, the iPhones. Okay? So, okay, I'm, well, I'm, I... Well, go ahead, Bruce. Thank you so, so much for your input. Okay. Thanks Thanks for calling. You're wonderful. Take uh, care, Ruth. Bye. Have a good weekend. Bye. Now. Bye-bye. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Bridge of sights to rest my eyes in shades of green under dreaming spots to Ichiku Park. That's where I've been. What did you do there? I got high. What did you feel there? Well, I cried. But why the tears there? Tell you why. It's all too beautiful. 
Okay. This is Jim McAleese, your host this morning. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. You know, we we talked about um, the big picture. We talked about our goals and our financial uh, plans. Let's talk a, a little bit more about uh, what we're seeing in terms of the strength of this economy. And uh, uh, yesterday, it came forward as this employment situation report, and uh, that was put out by the U.S. Department of Labor, and they come out with it every month. It is the employment situation report for September, and it showed that U.S. employment increased by 336,000 in September. Uh, uh, That was a jump up from the 227,000 in August, and uh, the original estimates uh, for what the number would be would was 160,000. So the experts were predicting that the jobs report would indicate uh, that 160,000 jobs were added in September, but the report came out and indicated that 336,000 jobs uh, were actually reported in September. So uh, it really gives you a feeling for, uh, uh, boy, the, the the trend right now is that uh, companies are basically hiring and uh, the unemployment rate remained uh, unchanged at 3.8%. That means you're basically sucking more people into the labor force. And uh, uh, in addition, the total non-farm payroll uh, in July increased from uh, increased from 157 to 236,000 and a revision of the numbers for August uh, showed a uh, increase from a hundred a hundred eighty seven thousand that was reported in August to uh, two hundred twenty seven thousand today. So basically, uh, not only did you have the uh, three hundred thirty six thousand jobs reported in September, but you also had something like a hundred nineteen thousand jobs that were unreported and should have been reported for uh, August, July, and August. So uh, just to provide some context into the employment situation, uh, in 2021, uh, they added, uh, the economy added 6.7 million jobs for the, uh, the addition per month was 562,000 jobs per month. In 2022, they added 4.5 million jobs, and it averaged out at 401,000 jobs per month. And so far in 2023, uh, we've added 2.3 million jobs. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm getting a little dry here, so I have to 
get to my coffee here. And so what you're seeing is the labor participation is up there. Uh, if you take a look at pre-COVID, pre-COVID, uh, you know, that's, let's say uh, January of 2020, uh, the unemployment rate was 3.5%. Today it's 3.8%. The number of unemployed was 5.7 million. Today it's 6.4 million. And uh, so we're closing in on where we were pre-COVID. And uh, basically, uh, in terms of the raises that we're seeing, the average hourly pay for the private sector worker climbed 4.2% compared to a year ago. And the Labor Department shows that... uh, employers uh, increased wages in September by $0.07 an hour to $33.88 per hour, and uh, for an average monthly pay increase of two-tenths of 1%. So in the big picture, uh, the private sector, the private sector uh, uh, gained 263,000 jobs and of that, the uh, uh, the uh, goods-producing sector added 29,000 jobs. Manufacturing uh, added 17,000. Construction added 11,000. Mining added uh, 1,000. So the big gainer in the employment for September was leisure and hospitality. And basically, they added 96,000 jobs in September. And the usual monthly gain in that particular field has been 61,000 jobs per month. So uh, basically, uh, and uh, uh, accommodations and employment uh, added 16,000 jobs. Uh, government employment increased by uh, 73,000 jobs in September, but that was mainly due to uh, uh, the opening of the schools and basically the uh, uh, teachers going on to back onto the payrolls. Uh, healthcare added 41,000 jobs in September. Uh, transportation and warehousing added only 9,000 jobs. And uh, uh, employment in information changed little. They basically lost 5,000 jobs. That's primarily because of the uh, strike in in motion pictures and and sound recording uh, areas. So basically what you're seeing there is a strong economy, which is going to make the Federal Reserve nervous, and when they get nervous, what do they do? Uh, they increase the uh, uh, in- interest rates. Then you have, then you have the. Uh, in addition to that, you have the uh, Institute of Supply Management, and they talk about what's happening in manufacturing. And uh, what they show is that the U.S. manufacturing sector contracted a little bit in September. However, 
the uh, the manufacturing index, which if you have an index of 50, it indicates that the you're neither uh, contracting or expanding. So what they showed is that the uh, we're contracting a little bit, but not as much as we did the previous month. So U.S. manufacturing sector continued its contraction trend, but at a slower rate, recording its best performance since uh, November of 2022. That's according to Timothy Flora, who is the chair of the ISM Manufacturing Business Survey Committee. And uh, that's a, a, the index is generated by the Institute of Supply Management from the survey of manufacturing executives who were asked how this month compared to last month in terms of things like uh, new orders, uh, production, shipments, employment, backlog of orders, and they uh, they put all this information together, and what they do is come up with a number that uh, for September uh, came out to 49, which is less than the uh, the 50, which is which is neutral. So, uh, give you some context. Context in May, that number was 46.9. In June, it was 46. July it was 46.4. August it was 47.6. And now in September it's uh, 49. And some of the things that the uh, the companies, or the responders are talking about, let's say, um, computer and electronics products. They indicated that in evolving supply chains environments, the customers are increasingly taking an active role in initiating new projects, looking for cost reduction opportunities and lead time mitigation with a growing emphasis on collaboration. So, what you're seeing, you could, I could uh, show you the uh, what the other comments are, but basically it indicates a strong manufacturing. It, it's basically not up to uh, what it was before the COVID, but it's uh, getting there. So, and also the S&P uh, Global uh, puts out a U.S. manufacturing uh, purchasing managers index, which is uh, similar to the, uh, the uh, Institute of Supply Management, and it also indicates that uh, things are improving. Uh, they're not yet uh, expanding, but things are improving in the, the manufacturing region. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. Life continues to return to normal. The COVID epidemic is mostly history, and we're getting up to speed again. Everything is moving faster now, and there's more demand, more deadlines, more frustration. Uh, and we are beginning to feel overwhelmed, so what can we do? Well, once upon a time, 
the psychology professor walked around on the stage while teaching stress management principles to an auditorium filled with students. As he raised a glass of water, everyone expected they'd be asked the typical glass half empty or glass half full question. Instead, with a smile on his face, the professor asked, how heavy is this glass of water I'm holding? Well, the students shouted out answers ranging from eight ounces to a couple of pounds. He replied, from my perspective, the absolute weight of this glass doesn't matter. It all depends upon how long I hold it. If I hold it for a minute or two, it's fairly light. If I hold it for an hour, its weight might make my arm ache a little bit. If I hold it for a day straight, my arm would likely cramp up and feel completely numb and paralyzed, forcing me to drop the glass. In each case, the weight of the glass doesn't change, but the longer I hold it, the heavier it feels to me. As the class shook their head in agreement, he continued, your anger, your stress, your worries are very much like this glass of water. Think about them for a while, nothing happens. Think about them for a bit longer, you begin to ache a little bit. Think about them all day long, and you feel completely numb and paralyzed incapable of doing anything until you drop it. It's important to remember to let go of your anger, stresses, and worries. No matter what happens during the day, in the evening, put your burdens down. Don't carry them through the night and into the next day with you. So, realize that you're only one person and you only control your immediate environment. And until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Slow, May God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index of 30 actively traded blue chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.